Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, mom, Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on Shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. What's going on, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here. Marcus Parks went to see Weird Al Yankovic yesterday, evidently along the way. Got food poisoning. I don't know what the hell happened with the poor man. Nonetheless, Travis Morningstar is back in the saddle with sir, with the big boy, sir, with Big Ben boy, Big Big Benny, the Big Ben boy. I don't know what that means. Sir, am I being detained? You, you are being detained. You, you look. Ben has a mustache now. Woo! Ben looks like <laughs> an '80s motorcycle cop in Venice Beach. Yeah, looks like I do butt stuff. I love it. I love it. Uh, no, I shaved my beard off because uh, I'm trying. I went to the doctor, you know, and then the doctor's like, you know, Ben, you, you don't see. Weight. Well, he said you don't see a lot of people because I'm 334 pounds, and he said you don't see a lot of people living past 60 that look like you, do you? And I'm like, no. He's like, that's because they all die. And I was like, ooh, stone cold truth. But you know what? He's right. So I shaved my mustache off. <laughs> so I lost at least eight ounces of uh, of weight right off the bat. I, I didn't even have to do anything, and I'm losing weight. So I'm keeping the stash just for now. I look a little bit. I got a Tom Selleck vibe. I feel a little Selleck-y, which I like. Tom Selleck? Tom Selleck. He's the, yeah, he was the world's most handsome man in, like, 1978. You you have more of a John Candy vibe to me, but... Yeah, well, <laughs> I, get ready, buddy. Change your paradigm. This is attractive now. Tom Selleck was attractive, but then now we're allowed to be out of shape. I'm getting in shape. I'm on my rower. All right. Well, this isn't a health and fitness podcast, because if it was, you would learn nothing. Thankfully, it's a political podcast, so you will learn something. But you know what? Today's episode, there's a lot to unpack. Obviously, we got the Jeffrey Epstein. He's been rearrested yes. after, of course, his re, uh, arrest in the early 2000s, um, well, relatively early 2000s there in Florida. Alex Acosta, of course, he is our secretary of labor. Is he our Secretary of Labor, or was he our Secretary of Labor? We'll answer that question no, he's doing here. Doing a lot one. of a lot of emotional labor. With a this lot of emotional case. Absolutely. So we'll talk about that. Uh, I also want to mention red flag laws. Now this is interesting because obviously, as a country, we need to have proper enforcement of our gun laws. And when someone is a danger to society, they should not have firearms. However, we're also living in a situation where our country is being overrun by a militarized police force that is doing 
uh, raids on a regular basis, busting down people's homes, taking people's goods without a warrant. It's happening on a regular basis. So I want to talk about the red flag law in regards to the Second Amendment. About 17 states uh, have passed these red flag laws. So I want to have that conversation with Travis. And again, obviously, we have to someone like this. This happened after Parkland. That's when this these laws really became right. uh, implemented. And obviously, uh, Nicholas Cruz, there were as many red flags as humanly possible. The man was a living risk board. I mean, it was nonstop flag after flag after flag. And everyone's like, go ahead, my buddy, get yourself an AR-15 and see how many people you can massacre. Of course, that occurred at Parkland. So I want to talk about that because there's pros and there's cons. And this is always the conversation we have when it comes to constitutional matters. When is too far? When are you no longer protecting the public and your uh, intervening in people's constitutional rights and when are you doing it just right so you're making sure the public is safe so we'll have that conversation also a drug maker this drug manufacturer its name is Reckett Benkisser Group it's the Reckett Benkisser Group I swear to god it's Bank Benkisser <laughs> it's the Reckett Benkisser Group Anyway, these maniacs killed a whole bunch of people because they were selling a uh, opioid replacement drug that turns out contains the exact same uh, ingredients that opioids contain. It actually had opioids in it. So people were ODing on the drugs they were taking to curb themselves off of opioids. So they just settled a big, uh, big, big case. And I will give you that number here in the very near future. Also, just in sort of petty Donald Trump news, the UK ambassador, it's this dude named uh, Kim Derrick. He resigned as of this week because he sent out an email saying Donald Trump is like totally inept and yeah. uh, his administration has no idea what it's doing. And uh, he is like, you know, just basically accurately called out Donald Trump for being a president of chaos, yeah. basically. Called his administration uniquely disorganized. Uniquely disorganized, which is a special kind of disorganized that really, I mean, I, I will say that from now on about my apartment. It's yeah. uniquely disorganized. Yeah. It's not messy. It's not full of Bud Light cans and uh, and empty vapes. It's not messy. It's uniquely disorganized. I know where everything is after I find it, you know, after I search for 30 minutes to find it. I know where everything is. Yeah. The White House has the same feng shui that uh, Jeffrey Dahmer's house had. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Probably more skulls, actually, in the White House than in Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment. In the to skull be fair. room. In yes. the, of course. Yeah. That's where the uh, they're going to name it after Jeffrey Epstein. So let's start with that story. First things first. Obviously, this tale uh, this uh, case is disturbing. These are federal charges being brought against Jeffrey Epstein. Many charges of having sex with young girls, sex trafficking. This wasn't a case where these young girls, which the, the defense, of course, his defense team back in the day when he was in Florida, made up of Kenneth Starr, yes. of course, from the famous Starr Report. Uh, Alan Dershowitz, Alan Dershowitz, by the way, facing his own civil suit against a, a now a grown woman who was a young girl at the time, I think around 14 years old. She says that uh, she was forced to have sex with Alan Dershowitz. He calls all of these claims crazy. And then at the same time, 
I understand Alan Dershowitz is a defense attorney, but at the same time, he just boldly says when it comes to the first plea deal where uh, Acosta got 18 months in prison, served or in jail, rather, jail. served 13 months in jail. And of course, six out of the seven days of the week, which makes up a bulk of the week. That's the majority of the week. I'm yeah. going to say the majority of the week. Uh, he was able to get off. His valet on, picked him up from jail. Isn't that right? For for his work release. So Jeffrey Epstein truly was never punished for those actions. Nonetheless, Alan Dershowitz talking about, because of course he was his defense attorney there, created the plea deal um, and definitely strong armed the prosecution, which is, uh, it's interesting when you have as much money as Epstein. Usually the state has all the cards and the state has all the power, but when you got billions of bucks, although his not the, the amount of money he has is a little inflated, much like Donald Trump's. But um, when you have a lot of money, it really does make it more difficult for the prosecution. And I'm certainly, certainly not letting Alex Acosta off the hook here. Alan Dershowitz said that as his defense attorney, he would have liked a better deal for Epstein. And I understand you're the defense attorney. Hillary Clinton kind of got God on the same thing. Uh, when she helped the man who was accused of raping the young girl and she knew that he had raped the young girl, but she helped him uh, win at trial. That is what a defense attorney does. I understand. But my God did just a little bit of tact could be nice, would be better. And Alan Dershowitz himself, as I mentioned on episodes previous, his political affiliations lie with anyone who will not get him arrested for having sex with a child. What would have sweetened that deal? I don't further? know how it could have been better. No idea. Okay, so Alex Acosta, we can break this news now. It's become official. Alex Acosta is, has officially resigned from the Secretary of Labor, from being Secretary of Labor. Much to the dismay of Donald Trump, every other president, every other president would be like, you know what, buddy? This is really kind of a political liability. Um, it's not looking good. Maybe you should step down. This was the only time that I can recall where the person who was requested to step down by a political party was the one who told the president that he would like to step down as the president was like, no, please don't. And he's like, you know what? I think it's best for everyone. If I just go, the optics are horrible. Donald Trump standing by him. It looks horrible. Uh, he hasn't been the worst secretary of labor. I suppose the economy is doing well, which is what Donald Trump sort of hung his hat on when he talked about how great of a job Alex Acosta was doing, I'm fairly certain we can find another secretary of labor that did not create the plea deal that allowed for a man who raped young girls to get the most lenient sentence I have ever heard. So I'm pretty sure we'll be just fine in the search for another secretary of labor. I don't know. I think uh, maybe not. I think it I more, know. now more than ever, I, I think it's pretty transparent that we live in a nightmare world we, uh -huh. where reality has jumped the shark. Like we, Fonzie. We, we all watch True Detective in horror, and then Jeffrey Epstein has way more victims than the bad guy at the end of the first season of True Detective. Oh, yeah. Give him 13 weeks. Isn't that how that ended, I think, with True Detective? They gave him 13 months and, uh, and work release? That's right, yeah. I'm pretty sure. But it's like, it's insane that this is actually more in, more incredible than most pop cultural TV shows would make out Absolutely. this sort of thing. I mean, no, you can't script this stuff. He's got Saint James, Little St. James Island, which he owns in the, uh, in the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. It has a sort of an un... Lolita Island, Lolita Express, Lolita Express. all this disgusting he a, he terms. He has a temple 
on that island. I don't know if you've seen pictures of this temple. Mm-hmm. And it, it is a, uh, a temple with locks on the outside of it. Oh, good. And then there's sort of a grid area on which that the temple is sitting, which leads one to believe that there is an underground compound. Great. Which... Would I'm lead pretty one to sure believe that there are hundreds of acts of sex abuse happening in that in underneath oh, this temple. Disgusting, disgusting. Uh, the amount of rape, sexual assault, just demoralizing, immoral behavior that's occurred on that island, on his planes, and in his houses, whether it be in Florida or in New York, is really difficult to even wrap your mind around. Yeah, you can just walk. We, like I said, uh, you can just walk by Jeffrey Epstein's extremely. It's like the biggest residential apartment in new york city and oh, you can just go him. into the you can go into the upper east side and walk by it and it's just like a huge ha- house on haunted hill door and then like right. facades of of lions and, and stuff like that oh that's good he but, needs to be protected i mean it just it just goes to show you, you when you're in a city like new york city you just look around at all the big buildings you can you can ooh and on ah, it's like no all this is dripping in like <laughs> fluids of old rich white powerful men and it's like New York, Manhattan is just one big sex dungeon that just also happens to have the world's biggest Chick-fil-A. Well, as, everything, as long as everything is consensual, I don't mind the idea of a good sex dungeon. Make sure everyone is over the age of 18, safe words allowed and, uh, and mandatory, and have a good time like what they do on the website kink.com, which we're going to be in Oakland. We're going to be in Oakland with last podcast on the left, which is evidently their headquarters. Is that the, okay, I was like, okay. I'm so pretty sure. Oakland is- so what Travis just described there when it comes to the island, you know, it's interesting. You, you hear about the padlocks. You think about the basements. You can just imagine the Fritzel, if you remember the Fritzel mm-hmm. case mm-hmm. Uh, where the father kept his children uh, locked up beneath the house, impregnated his daughters. They're living a Fritzel life, lifestyle out there minus the family relation. It also reminded me a little bit of Gaddafi after yes. we uh, after we allowed uh, for the people of Libya to overtake Gaddafi, which of course led to a massive disaster that Libya is still currently in. Gaddafi's not a good guy, but you know, usually when we overthrow governments, it doesn't all come back to be a perfect form of governance for the people of the government we just overthrew. But nonetheless, on the demonizing Gaddafi. Uh, news media to to validate, as the news media always does, to validate why we facilitated the overthrow of Gaddafi. They showed a bunch of rooms where uh, supposedly he kept slaves or or servants and things like that. And that reminds me a lot of what happened with Jeffrey Epstein. It sounds like a similar series of events. I'm sure his New York mansion, certainly by New York standards, God knows what happens when you when you pull the third book on the on, yeah. on on the on the eighth bookshelf to the left when you pull like the confederacy of dunces because he thinks it's kind of funny and uh, then a door opens up and all you hear is screams as if you've just uh figured out the cube from hellraiser and all you do is imagine cenobites doing horrible things to young girls so uh jeffrey epstein obviously a disgusting man and it's been systemic and the way that this has been allowed to occur within the elite class is really another as if we need another black eye for the billionaire class this is just further bruising on the face of the billionaire class and especially when we talk about this in the context of the human sex trade when we talk about you know alex jones that bloviating dotard he's been talking about the pedophile government, the yeah. pedophile, you know, we talked about it on our Franklin cover-up uh, case. Of course, he's also very pro-Donald Trump. 
he's he's one of these guys who you know he lost sight of everything but when we do talk about systemic pedophilia systemic pedophile rings look no further than what we're talking about here with the Jeffrey Epstein case. So obviously, he knew Bill Clinton very well. He knew Donald Trump very well. He knew Queen Elizabeth's son, Prince Andrew, uh, very well. And these were things, these were relationships that he had. Now, obviously, he's a billionaire, so he's doing the thing where it's like, you want to fly somewhere? I got a jet. Let's go fly somewhere. He's courting as many people as possible to get in with his inner circle. He wants to surround himself with as many powerful people as possible. And what do we know about people who seek power? They often don't have the best judgment of character. No. Whoever is the one who is offering the goods, that's where they're going to go, which is why our political system is pretty much predicated on bribery. So that is how he got in contact with all these people. He knew Donald Trump through his golf course. And Bill Clinton has obviously come out and said that he hung out with Jeffrey Epstein three times. Uh, he was on his plane three times. They were going to do work for the Clinton Foundation in Africa because there's just no one, no one, you know, like Warren Buffett. No one likes to spread the wealth around when it comes to charity more than the billionaire yeah. class. So you would think that Bill on on the Lolita Express, Bill Clinton would have been, you know, kind of raised an eyebrow when he was trying to log onto the internet and the network is Lolita Express right. internet. But he he acts like everybody in Jeffrey Epstein's black book has definitely like looked through the eye holes of a painting as Epstein got a like an erotic massage in another room. Like it, it's these these people can pretend to not be complicit in letting this uh well there's good off level of fucking criminality and like abuse towards there's uh, certainly children now, and women if first of all donald trump i have a little donald, he, donald trump has a history of preying on young girls it just is a fact i'm not being like oh conspiracy theory ben he talks about miss teen usa walking into the locker room as they're changing these are teens these are underage girls he used to brag about these things. Obviously, they access Hollywood tape. We know it's so known now. It's like one of those things where it's like yada, yada, yada. We know our, our president is a sexual yeah. predator, but it is important to remember. And I know our listeners have never forgot. So in 2008, that is when Epstein pleaded guilty of the solicitation of prostitution involving a minor. So that was the official term. And I want to talk a bit about that here in a second, but just kind of wrapping up on the high-profile people that he used to uh, hang around with. In 2002, this is what Donald Trump told the New York Magazine. I've known Jeff for 15 years. Terrific guy. He's a lot of fun to be with. It is even said that he likes beautiful women as much as I do, and many of them are on the younger side. Yes. This is 2002, right? So he's been doing this systematically raping young girls probably for about 10 years at this point, maybe 15 years. Uh, who knows? He's just a hedge fund billionaire. So God knows. And then 2008, the charges come. This is when uh, Donald Trump says, hey, don't come over to my Mar-a-Lago course anymore. Let's not hang out anymore. But the problem is both Bill Clinton and Donald Trump, the peak of their friendship was during the peak of his of Epstein raping children. Yes. So the time that they knew Jeffrey Epstein, so Donald Trump now is like, oh, I haven't talked to him in 12 years. It's like, you spoke to him most when he was at peak raping young girls. Well, Epstein was removed so, from Mar-a-Lago for right. assaulting uh, for a girl. Yes, for a assaulting girl. a girl. So Donald Trump- For sexually know. assaulting a young girl. 
it's and of course that could have been prevented if you weren't friends with him in the first place you know so the uh the irony of all of these powerful figures and of course this black book is gonna as we talked about on side stories the heidi fleiss black book is gonna look like a wonderful rom-com compared to what's about to come out here ray fines evidently is involved somehow i don't and i don't want to run these people through the muck i understand you're in the entertainment industry. You're at a party. Someone's like, let's get a picture. You take a picture, and then you you don't know that person from Adam. I get asked to take pictures all the time. I pray to God uh, no one turns out to be a billionaire child rapist that I've taken a picture with. But So I don't want to run those people that were, are just sort of being mentioned right now on the side through the muck. But Bill Clinton and Donald Trump and, of course, Prince Andrew, they knew what they were doing. They knew what this guy was about. And it's indicative to the soulless actions of people who are doing nothing but seeking money and seeking power. That's the problem. When you don't have any moral compass, when all you want is cash and and power, Jeffrey Epstein is a great friend to have. I mean, isn't it inspiring that, you know, Donald Trump and Bill Clinton could reach across the aisle here, though? That's very nice. Yes. This is that's much like the the wealthy men did in in, uh, the movie that I always reference. Um, I always (laughs) reference this movie and I always forget the name of it. (laughs) What do you Eyes wide shut. What are you talking no, about? <laughs> no, not that one. Uh, a to A. A to A. To a. Oh, 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 oh. Requiem for Requiem a dream. Requiem for a dream. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, reaching across the aisle like the elderly men reaching across the two women that they're throwing money at as they have sex on a bed, reaching across the bed to shake each other's hands on a job well done. So when it comes to the whole idea of the powerful elite pedophiles in charge alan dershowitz is now being wrapped up in this as a matter of fact the first time i saw alan dershowitz well i guess this goes back i think i have a picture with alan dershowitz oh my i may have already done it i may have already done the thing i don't want to do yeah dershowitz wearing a last podcast shirt oh yeah he's a huge huge fan i met him at i I met him at fox news i was doing red eye and he was there in the green room and i was like why are you here and then he was he was like i gotta solve a small civil case and i think that was the civil case and i'm like (laughs) So I guess you're going to do this comedy show at three o'clock in the morning as well, um, because it's so par for the course. That's the thing. I hear so much about these guys. Yeah. Like just going in and out of court, always trying to pay off someone or trying to like settle a civil lawsuit. I don't maybe at some point. I don't know. There might, there might be a civil lawsuit. Who Ozzy Osbourne had a civil lawsuit brought against him. What from like for the, the family b- of the bat that he no not the family of the bat he he thought that bat was fake no with the kid uh, who committed suicide and the family blamed Ozzy because they thought his music drove him to it nonsense um, I'm I'm gonna pull a Ben Kissel leave him alone leave him alone but what I'm talking about these rich dudes they they're in court all the time yeah it's like crazy to me I want to avoid court like the plague I never want to go to court I don't want to be surrounded by officers I don't want to be I don't want I never want to look at a judge. But that's I hate it. Like all these, yeah, all these little cases, they they sort of swat away like they're fruit flies or something because there's nobody actually holding these rich and powerful people accountable. Like that New York Magazine article that you're talking about, where Donald Trump is, yeah. is talking about Epstein. That is one of I think three articles from New York Magazine that were during the 2000s, where they just tried to spin very hard to make Jeffrey Epstein look like a really cool guy. He's just a party guy. Yeah, he's just a party guy, and there are. So many people alluding to all of his like interest in young women. Yeah, and it's like this is New York Magazine that's doing this. That, right. That, this is this is a big voice in yeah. media that is like condoning and sort of uh, being forgiving of this guy's clearly predatory also, beha- behavior. How hard is it to just hire 
18 plus years old sex workers. How hard is this? It is so like, and they used to prey on these young girls. And I'm going to get to that in one second here. But just lastly, when it comes to Bill Clinton, this was a spokesperson. This is what a spokesperson said. They said, President Clinton knows nothing about the terrible crimes Jeffrey Epstein pleaded guilty to in Florida some years ago or those with which he has been recently charged in New York. The statement goes on to say, In 2002 and 2003, President Clinton took a total of four trips on Epstein's plane, one to Europe, one to Asia, and two to Africa, which included stops in connection with the work of the Clinton Foundation, whatever the hell that connection means. I have a feeling they were just partying like in the Wolf of Wall Street during the plane scene that slowed down, they're just getting fucking hammered. I think it looks more than like that than like UNICEF handing out food to kids who are starving. But of course, they always have a they. It, it's always for a good reason. That's why they have to go on a billionaire's private jet. It's to save the people of Africa. It makes all the sense in the world. It's really dark stuff. It's disgusting. Yeah, it is absolutely disgusting. So, just lastly on this, I just want to hit one more point home. When it comes to the defense, or even when it comes to the the prosecution here, uh, the fact that they called these young girls prostitutes is absolutely abhorrent. It changes and shifts the entire narrative. These young girls were not prostitutes. They were not sex workers. They were not. They were not in the business of sex work. They were hunted down at schools, playgrounds. Uh, wherever Jeffrey Epstein might see someone, he would send people over. He wants to have sex with this young girl. And then at that point, it was a Ponzi scheme of rape where they were asked, we'll give you some cash. If you can go find some of your friends, bring them in here. The idea that these young girls, because when you hear, when a certain segment of the population here is prostitute, they think someone working over on the, you know, in the sunset strip, two o'clock in the morning, being like, come over here, big boy. These are 14 year old girls. I haven't been around either boys or girls, 14 years old in a long time. I was around them at my buddy's wedding because weddings, you know, you tend to see some younger people. And I'm like, they are, even if they are like, even if they have breasts or whatever it might be, or pubic hair, whatever, they are babies, they're children. So it doesn't matter, like, because I've heard some people argue, well, 14, maybe they hit puberty. There's some disgusting comments on Twitter about this, by the way. It does not matter. They literally, as Master Blaster said in... Uh, in Mad, Mad Max. There it is, Mad Max. Uh, they have the mind of a child. And the fact that this man hunted them down, preyed upon them, he is obviously still a danger to society. The fact that they chose to call them prostitutes is so wrong, it's so effed up, and talk about victim blaming and talk about just, oh, yeah. I mean, how many... You know all those girls, all those fourteen-year-old girls that can't wait to get into sex work. I mean, it's just so common. Yeah, if you've ever like passed a playground and and looked at a bunch of children, and said, "What are all these sex workers doing on these swings?" Like, right. Then you probably should, you know, you look, might look, look then at you, your, you, might you might be a pedophile. You might be a pedophile. No, but, and just to reiterate, the reason why you're bringing up this idea that underage people are being called prostitutes is because that 2008 yes. trial ended with uh, Epstein not being considered a child molester or sexual predator in that way it was just a, a prostitution it was a solicitation it was a solicitation uh, of minors yeah, yeah. or well, no it was a solicitation of prostitution 
Oh, okay. Now he's being uh, now he's being uh, now this, charged with solicitation this, of minors. This current one is like getting to the source of like this is a child molester spree killer. <laughs> you know, like this is like yeah. this is not just somebody who got a um a rub and tug in a massage parlor. No, with, this like, is not Robert Kraft. Which, by yeah. the way, Robert Kraft didn't do anything wrong. Nothing that Robert Kraft did was illegal. Those people were not trafficked. His wife had died. You, we should have legal sex work in this country brothel should be legal and that Robert Kraft thing was blown way out of proportion. That's totally different yeah. than this. And we have to remember that as we have our conversation about sexual assault and all these things. Robert Kraft is a consensual dude getting a jerk off, paying some cash for it. Okay. I don't give a shit. I seriously do not care. Uh, the woman that, that jerked him off, they're in, the, the sex workers are in jail. Yeah. Because it, it's a, a backwards ass country that we live in. None of those people should be in jail and it shouldn't have been a police bust. I know Florida. There's a lot of bad things going on there. And rub and tugs are not even the top thousand. This is about child rape. This is it. And this is about the systemic, at the very least, at the very least, allowance for billionaires like Jeffrey Epstein to get away with these things. At the very least, Clintons of the world, Trumps of the world, the people who wanted to go party with them, they had to turn a blind eye. At the very least, Alan Dershowitz, and then at the very most, they themselves participated in the act of child rape. If you recontextualize that this scenario in just a little bit of a different way like the idea that a priest molested a young boy and then for that for that priest to to sort of get a slap on the wrist because they call the young boy a prostitute like imagine how insane and like and just sort of jarring that would sound and that's another you know when it comes to systemic abuse where we haven't even opened up that pandora's box yet when it comes to the catholic church scandal a new york i believe uh is the second state that pen, like much like the state of Pennsylvania, it's going to allow people to come forward because uh, you know I took in when we did foster care, and I know I say this all the time, but so many of the kids were sexually assaulted. Our first two kids both had STDs; they were nine and eight years old. I mean, it's absolutely disgusting, um, and it's so heartbreaking. So these monsters. If we can't come to a consensus as a country (laughs) that pedophiles should not be walking our streets, I don't even know how we're going to manage to tackle healthcare. How are we even going to get anything passed if we all can't agree that pedophiles, uh, you know, and true, systemic, disgusting, powerful pedophiles. We're not talking about, uh, you know, the 16-year-olds who sexed each other and then they get busted for uh, sending child porn. Those laws are a gray area and we have to figure that out as a country. We're talking wealth people preying on our children i mean and the fact it's controversial to to pass legislation being like come forward well that's a testament to how deep the pedophile culture is amongst the elites in the case of the jeffrey epstein the 2008 case there were money had a lot to do with how it was dismantled in small ways and sort of the screws were unloosened on that whole thing and so that everything fell apart you know even the sheriff of Palm Beach was being stalked by private investigators that Jeffrey Epstein had hired. Right. And so he, he sort of had a, uh, a campaign of intimidation right. towards the victims themselves, towards the actual police that were trying to, uh, you know, that, were, that first kind of got him for the criminal acts in the first place. There's just a lot of and that's what, that's stuff what, at work when yeah. you're this powerful. Absolutely, and this wealthy. That's what Alex Acosta was saying. Basically, his press conference was like, we did our best. He had a lot of money. And I'm like, you also approved of this horrible deal. You went. It went all the way up, though. This yeah. went all the way up the chain of command. So it's not just Alex Acosta that is at fault here. It is the entire system. And literally, 
Acosta felt as if Epstein would get off in trial. At least that's what he says. Um, and he said he wouldn't be charged at all with a billionaire with the amount of lawyers that he has. And who knows even what happens in this most recent case. He's still yeah. got all the money. He's still got all the power. He's still going to have a huge group of lawyers that are going to be as tenacious as Pitbull's. Um, not, you know what? Pitbulls are actually cute. Yeah. Tenacious as an uh, as a villain named Bloodhound in Division Two, who is uh, one of these massive characters. He's got Marcus, a sledgehammer. Marcus is right. You need a new video game. No, I'm almost done with Division Two. Doesn't it seem like most of adulthood is having to do things that you really don't want to do, like red-eye flights, working late, visiting in-laws, and getting life insurance? But another part of adulthood is learning to delegate what you hate. And while you can't delegate a visit to the in-laws, you can definitely delegate life insurance shopping. Policy Genius is the easy way to shop for life insurance online. In just two minutes, you can compare quotes from top insurers to find your best price. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle handle all the paperwork and red tape. No sales pressure, no hidden fees, just financial protection and peace of mind. And Policy Genius doesn't just make life insurance easy. They can also help you find the right home insurance, auto insurance, and disability insurance. So if you need life insurance, but you just don't want to deal with all the legwork, head to policygenius.com. It's the easy way to compare all the top insurers and find the best value for you. Policy Genius, delegate what you hate, especially if you hate getting life insurance. That was Acosta's that was rationale for rationale, like yes. letting this uh, this plea deal go down. But there are clear indications that that is all bullshit yes. because none of the victims were even told that the plea deal was happening. Which is uh, uh, breaking a protocol. Which is like, why, why would you out. do that in the first place? If you're if you're such a, a champion for these victims, yeah. why would you leave them all in the dark about the the plea deal? Um, so it just, it just clearly indicates that it is all behind the scenes political yeah. people and with of, power working their yes. working their magic. And of course, we're talking about a man in Jeffrey Epstein. We'll wrap it up here, but the only reason he is in trouble is because of the amount of people that he sexually assaulted and raped. I mean, we're talking at least well over 50, I yes. believe. Oh. And so it's it's interesting when you quantify it. Like, how many average people does it take to equal one billionaire? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, So it's like it, it took, let's just say, 75 people. 75 people had to come forward. God knows how many people haven't come forward that were molested or raped. So it's like 75 to 1. For 75 victims means one billionaire will have to be held accountable. And I think the plea deal from 2008, it, he almost he must have felt lucky in the sense that like, okay, I cannot be charged again on these these crimes. So I just like wiped out all of the victims that are going to like come against me. There were just so many left over from that initial trial right. that here we are in 2019 and they're just like oh yeah we found a lot more of your victims and now they're now they're in New York and they want to do this again it's a completely separate trial that may allude to the Florida case but I mean you he's I don't I think it's not even 50 I think it's in the hundreds yes probably of, 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 yeah, of I was being I was being conservative that is like super conservative yeah I think he's done it in the hundreds because uh just in his New York residence alone uh yeah I've heard estimates of you know in the, in, in the hundreds absolutely so that's just one Disgusting. of his one of his de is like destination spots for doing this right and of course that is the uh 
Travis sort of hinted at it, the double jeopardy. I have heard some people be like, is this double jeopardy? The answer is once again, no, no. because he has he can be charged for the rest of his life. If he gets off on this, they can charge him with another 12, another 12, he's another like, 12. He's like Genghis Khan, how you know we're all related to Genghis Khan by like one, one drop of blood. That's because, what I've heard, but I don't believe it. I don't like hats. You could just sort of ask around wherever you are right now. Just turn to your left, turn to your right. That might be a victim of Jeffrey Epstein. You never point. know. You never know. Uh, so Epstein faces a maximum prison sentence of 45 years. Of course, he's around 66 years of age. So for all intents and purposes, if he got the max, uh, that would be a life sentence. So anyway, we will follow that story. It's going to get nasty. It's going to be gross. But I am happy that this man is off the streets. He needs to be off the streets. We've been talking about Jeffrey Epstein for 10 years. Yeah. Literally, we've been talking about it. He was like the go-to billionaire boogeyman. And they did the right thing by saying, you know what, bro? No more. It's time for you to be held accountable because the people, the victims, without a doubt, deserve justice. Without a doubt. But anyway. But but also, I do agree with Henry when he said, like, if this is what we're being allowed to be seen, like, if if Jeffrey Epstein going to to prison is what we're allowed to have happen right now, then, like, what is actually, what is the, this is the tip of the iceberg? Like, what is below the surface? Well, hopefully this is a little bit more of a route. Hopefully. Hopefully. Hopefully there's, like... You know, but yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. This man does not work in a vacuum. No. The parties were filled with people. Everyone knows the servers were young. I just. Anyway, we talked about that angle of it, uh, that aspect of it, a bit on uh, side stories. So make sure to go check out side stories. Okay, let's move on. Uh, So, you know what? Every election cycle, we need a hero. And thank God, because the Democrats, they only have 23 running now because Eric Swalwell said, I've had enough. And honestly, Eric, I like you. I thank you for realizing maybe this isn't the year for me. I'm going to go back, be a rep, uh, do my job. So, Eric Swalwell, hats off to you. Uh, you. You gave it your best. You talked about passing the torch. You did your best. But you did the right. You made the right call. Save your money. Save money in general. And go focus on doing your job. But when one leaves, uh, of course, another one has to join, evidently, to keep it an even 24 people running. Tom Steyer, he is a billionaire. He is a hedge fund. He made all of his money. As a hedge fund manager, Ooh, Jeffrey Epstein is giving a really bad rep to hedge fund managers. By the way, maybe oh, not. Maybe not lead with that. Maybe but. not. I don't know the whole the whole thing with. Tom, so how do you know that name? Perhaps you know Tom Steyer's name because he was the one who had the impeach Donald Trump petition. He's like, hey, everyone sign this petition, and then Donald Trump will get impeached. But like, you know, that's really not how impeachment works. Yeah. Um. Nonetheless. <laughs> He got around 5 million people to sign his symbolic uh, petition. And I saw him on, uh, I think he was talking to Gail, so whatever that is, CBS This Morning or something. Mm -hmm. And he's talking about how he got 5 million people signed this petition. And because of that, I think that I have been called to run for president. And I am, okay, how out of touch do you have to be to think that the American people want another billionaire, specifically one as connected as Tom Steyer. So he has been throwing his money around for a very long time and not always in the best ways, despite the fact, and I know what I'm about to read, some of my more liberal listeners would be like, well, I, I agree with him in principle or with with policy angle, but I think you'll disagree with what that looks like in practice. So during the special election in 2013 in Massachusetts, that's when John Kerry was picked. He's the secretary of state. He's out of there. We need to have ourselves a special election. Tom Steyer, he wanted to throw his money around and he wanted to support a candidate 
that uh, wanted to not approve of the Keystone XL pipeline. So basically, at this time, the California hedge fund billionaire was underwriting an effort to block the massive Keystone XL pipeline. Edward J. Markey and Stephen F. Lynch, now both of these dudes are U.S. representatives at the time, were vying for the Democratic nomination. And Steyer announced he would bankroll Markey's campaign if Lynch failed to come out against the pipeline. Markey rejected Steyer's ploy and said such tactics have no place in politics, and I firmly believe that Markey was right. So basically, what we have here, this is emblematic of the exact problem facing Washington is billionaires saying you better do. And even again, even if you agree that we should have blocked the Keystone pipeline and there's a lot of rationale for why we should have specifically the native American lands that they took over in the Dakotas uh, because they never built, they should build the pipeline in the suburbs Mm -hmm. because honestly, if I had the money, and I got to live in the suburbs, I don't even give a shit. I think we need oil, but why does it have to be destroying native lands? So that is my massive problem. If you want to have pipelines in this country, they should be spread out throughout every economic class, and the wealthy need to see them too. I hate the way that the wealthy, there are four things that they just never have to deal with. They're for the Keystone Pipeline because their water isn't going to get poisoned. They're for these things because they don't actually have to look at the damage and they just get the benefit. So Tom Steyer basically just said, I'm going to give you cash if you oppose the Keystone Pipeline. If not, you don't get my money. Okay. That is now just imagine if that's abortion. Now imagine that is someone who is uh, pro-life being like, I'm pro-life. You better switch to pro-life. Otherwise, you don't get my money. Imagine that Second Amendment. I love the Second Amendment. You you better love it, too. You better be for AR-15s and no background checks uh, or you don't get my money. This is the exact pro- Tom Steyer is the exact problem. With American politics, don't you think? Yeah, but more often you find people putting money towards pro-life stuff. Like I, I no, who, I don't think it. I mean, it happens who? on both sides. So this is so Steyer. He's going to use his money. This is all going to be self-funded. Uh, By the way, R.I.P. Ross Perot. I like I liked Ross Perot. Um, he gave seventy-five million supporting the Democratic candidates for uh, for Congress in two thousand fourteen, and more than ninety-one million in two thousand sixteen, making him both the country's largest political donor in both years, regardless of party. So this is basically if one of the Koch brothers just decided to just stand up and run for office themselves. And I don't understand, as an American, what in the hell his appeal is. Also. Wouldn't his efforts be better suited if he did just stay in the game of like financial support? What's he going to do now? Because now none of the candidates can take any from uh, any money from him. Uh, if he did want to delegate and and assume uh, that he would get some of his desires passed, I just don't get what he is. What is he giving to the American people that we already don't have, other than more crony politics? Is this? Like, I just don't remember previous elections as well as I do the the most recent ones here. Is this something that happens in elections often throughout our yeah. our history where no like where just a bunch of rich people come out of the woodwork and just oh. say, like, I need to be I need to be the leader of the party, either in Republican or Democrat because now this year, it's like, yeah, it's Howard Schultz saying, like, uh, I, I think he's done with that. I think he's cooled like a good oh, car, sure. stuck a uh, cup of Starbucks. Yeah, because yeah. he got roasted online so much. <laughs> yeah, he did. But uh, like, is this is this standard, or are we seeing a weird time where people are coming, like billionaires are starting to think of themselves as like 
heroes well, of the nation and aforementioned Ross Perot, R.I.P. He did it. The Koch brothers, I believe Charles actually ran for president as well with the Libertarian Party. It's not unheard of. I think it gets a little bit more press now than it used to. When when Ross Perot ran, I think it was a net positive uh, that he was a big oil tycoon and all that kind of stuff. And this whole idea that he swung the election for Clinton is actually false because George H.W. Bush, he won the states that Ross Perot won the most in Texas and Florida. George H.W. won anyway. And uh, basically the exit polls in all the other states showed Ross Perot splitting Clinton and Bush about evenly. But it does happen. It does seem like it's a, a little bit more magnified now in the context of Donald Trump. And it seems as if these people cannot be more out of touch when it comes to what the American people actually desire. We want to see a president uh, that actually has some level of understanding what it's like to be middle class. Just some. And Tom Steyer, if he made, honestly, if Steyer made his money in a different way, it's just hedge fund. Oh, also, going back to Epstein, he also worked at Bear Stearns, which, of course, was uh, Mitt Romney's big claim to fame. But um, it's just hedge fund billionaire, Just it just stinks to high heaven to me. You, you haven't done anything to benefit anyone. I mean, the very least, Bill Gates theoretically changed the world. You can argue for good, you can argue for worse. At least he created something. You know, I mean, this is just people making money off of the work of other people yeah, I guess and then being like, no, I'm a billionaire. Have a job where we can literally see what you're doing. What are you doing? What are you doing? Because hedge fund manager is just this nebulous term. It's weird. Uh, and apparently it has a lot to do with having sex slaves on an island in the it, Caribbean. It could. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. It more could, than though. likely you have sex slaves. Well, I like to think it's not more than likely still. I am not standing for hedge fund managers. (laughs) It's not the hill I'm going to die on. Uh, But indeed, so Tom Steyer, he's he's in the race. You know, I I don't hate everything he says. I really don't. It's just he is, to me, he is another symbol of how our system is so corrupt, so awful, and why we need to get back to a pure democratic system system. That's why we don't I don't want to do the citizenship question, which of course Donald Trump is now uh, not going to put on the census. He's going to use data from all the other states that the, the, that those states collect. If you're a libertarian, there's nothing libertarian about this. It's a government overreach without a doubt, even though the government has already been doing it, so his executive order is actually like pretty much patting himself on the back for something that's already being done. But nonetheless, when it comes to the states giving our data to the federal government, Donald Trump was just bragging about how that's how he is going to figure out who's a citizen and who is not a citizen in this country. But when I look at Tom Steyer, it really is just like, dude, you have to just go. Why do you even want to do this? Like why? Like you are so rich. Go be rich. And, you know, I think a lot of these billionaires, I think they want us to be like, oh, Yes. He could just be on a beach and he's doing this. Go be on the beach because that's where you belong. That's where you belong drinking pina coladas, having no actual real power. You should just be a big sunburnt jackass who buys everyone dinner when you go out to eat. That's all you and the whole restaurant. You should buy the whole restaurant dinner. You should be like Rodney Dangerfield. Just buy everyone everything, walk out, and then everyone will be like, thank you, billionaire. You're so cool. And that is what you are good for. Well, this has the stench of somebody who's on, who like starts a social media account and they're like, oh, wait, I have to like develop 
a cult of personality around me, fuck that. I'm just going to buy a bunch of I'm followers. Gonna buy it. Yeah, exactly. I'm just going to buy people to, to follow me. And that's like, this is what he just wants recognition. Absolutely. And he thinks he can. As if he doesn't have it with, he doesn't have it a billion times over with every well, I'm sure single he has dollar it with his, his bank like, account. His like kitchen staff. No, you that's know, the his, valida- his, validation in a capitalist society is how big your bank account is. He is the most validated man. He is one of the most validated men in the world. No, no. People see Trump drinking from that chalice of, of, uh-huh. of adoration and, and cult-like worship, and they're like, wait a minute, I can buy that? Right. I can buy that? Okay, so, uh, yeah, forget vacations. I want people to, like, slavishly worship me and fight people on the streets for some weird well, policy that I'm, I'm presenting. Donald Trump has, you know, he's opened the door. You know, we talk about the glass ceiling, but what about the gold ceiling? The gold ceiling of finally a billionaire. Jeffrey Epstein's temple on Little St. James Island has a golden dome on the top of Of it. Of course it does. And Donald Trump broke down the gold ceiling for all billionaires to say, I too can be president of the United States. So that's Time Steyer. Uh, you know, I don't, I'm not giving him too much more breath other than being critical of him because he also got in too late. He also, he's not going to be in a debate until perhaps September. He's just, you know what? I rarely say it, but forget him. No, Tom Steyer makes me believe that I can also run for president. Yeah? Yeah. I think we're a little bit short in the cash. No, 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 no. Oh, you can do it? Yeah, I just have to become a hedge fund manager. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Just make money off the blood of others. Yeah, that's a good idea. Collect a harem of sex slaves. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, maybe I don't know. Does, maybe Tom sorry isn't. Maybe he's, I don't he think doesn't. He maybe is. he doesn't have sex slaves. I, I don't think he does. allegedly. We have to <laughs> take me, that. I we have that. to take it very seriously. He does not, to our knowledge, because it is so disgusting that we don't want to be willy nilly throwing around those terms, Travis. Also, he might sponsor our show. We need to really be sensitive here. Um, all right. Let's move on just briefly here. In 2018, I want to talk about these red flag laws. So in 2018, five states had had laws that fit the bill of a typical red flag law. With Hawaii's governor signing Act 150 in early July, that number rose to 17. So this is coming up. It's very popular. Uh, 17 states is nothing to sneeze at whatsoever. And, of course, included in those 17 states or excluded from those 17 states is also the District of Columbia. So the main issue here is, when is it okay for the government, for police to come in and take your guns? So this is this is what's been happening. Basically, in some of these states, it has to be a family member or a relative uh, or a spouse, a, a current girlfriend or, or a boyfriend or wife or husband. They have to alert the authorities and they can come in. In other states, it expands it larger than that to friends, to anyone that speculates that person doesn't shouldn't have a gun, and then the, the cops can go in and take this person's firearm. Now, obviously, this is going to lead to a, a, a conflict. This is going to lead to a, you know, this is everything, that, this is foreign policy in a nutshell, mutually assured destruction. This is what we're in is a cold war within every single suburb of this country. So it's going to be a battle in a lot of these cases. Look no further than Bill Cooper if you want to see that. Mm-hmm. So a 61-year-old man was shot last year while serving a confiscation order in a country plagued with needless violence as a result of no-knock raids and heavily militarized police. The potential benefits of red flag laws could potentially pale in comparison to what we're seeing here. So the con- confrontation between police and, and the unknown individual's uh, subject to seizure can be tense interactions for both parties, and these things have to be done 
in a way that ensure the ultimate safety of both parties. So the pro argument for a red flag law, and I understand again, um, when it comes to, we need to like Steven Paddock, that yes. should, he should have been stopped at the elevator after his third bag. If you recall yeah. when he was at, yes, uh, 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 Mandalay Bay, Mandalay Bay yeah. he had a week's worth of like, and you're like, you, uh, bags going through and the bags had to be heavy because they were full Sir, of guns. Can I help you the, with your bag of assault rifles? Oh yes, you can. Oh, all right. Uh, well, that's a red flag. That's a flag for you. I'm throwing down the yellow card. So you do want when people are in abusive relationships, for example, and let's just say a woman is in an abusive relationship with a man. Um, she is concerned that this man is going to uh, hurt her. So she needs, she reports him to the police that she does not feel safe with this man having a firearm. Now the police don't have to go to the man and say, Hey, you've been uh, you, I, ratted out, I guess, for lack of a better term. I don't think that's appropriate, but you, you, if someone has said that you don't deserve a firearm, we have, because of that information, we are going to do a no uh, no knock raid. However, the cops don't actually have to tell the person who's been who is having their Second Amendment right taken away. They don't have to tell them that someone has reported them. So they just show up at the door, and the guy's like, "I don't want to give you my gun." And next thing you know, a firefight might happen. Now, I understand why this is the case um, because oftentimes in abusive relationships, you know what's going to happen if you know a girl go or a woman goes to the cops and is like, "This dude's way abusive. Uh, he has a gun. He's threatened to kill me." If the cops are like, oh, by the way, Pamela has told us that you're really abusive and you have a gun. Do you want to comment? Uh, you'll be like, no, I'm good. And you'll get the gun and go shoot her. So I understand the timely nature and why these things have to be kept secret when it comes to that perspective. The other perspective here is you might have a neighbor, a friend, perhaps someone who wants you to be unarmed. Maybe they want, maybe they see you as a potential victim. So then they're going to say, hey, this dude isn't right to have a firearm. Next thing you know, your weapon has been taken away. Now you no longer have the ability to protect yourself. And theoretically, that could lead you open uh, for a violent attack within your home. So these are the two issues that are really happening here. And this is why this has to be handled in a intelligent, way where the information gathered cannot be superfluous and it cannot be superficial and it really has to be evident that this individual is a true danger and not just someone that may hold different political beliefs, different religious beliefs. I mean, you think about someone who is super satanic, for example, going up in a suburb and they have a house that has uh, pentagrams and whatnot. Maybe they also have a gun and maybe there's a, a, a very Christian family, a super Christian family that lives next door. And they're like, I don't know. He's a Satanist. Does he deserve a gun? Next thing you know, there's a no, no knock raid. His gun is taken away and then they go to trial. So it also plays into the question of due process. Due process constitutionally does have to come before an arrest or a confiscation. But in this case, due process is coming afterwards, which is why these laws are a little bit tricky to navigate. But I think with guns, even if the concern is light, like even if it's not an extreme, I'm extremely concerned about this person owning a gun. Even if there's a little bit of like a, I think I might be concerned about this person having a gun, that should be addressed if not like at least something be put on record like this person we check this person out absolutely and I, I, I mean I've, I of course do not want cops to have more power than they already have Ugh. but I mean it's like if you're if you're that's like oh I saw my neighbor uh, cracking open glow sticks and drinking the goo inside of them I'd be like yeah I'm concerned for that person so like I you know but if, if they have a gun it's a different situation we are in a climate right now where people pop off at random they do they do 
and are mowing people down. So absolutely, you should you should you should sort of know if you own a gun, like you're gonna be held to a different standard than somebody who owns a shovel. Like, yeah, you know, no, I mean, I I totally hear what you're saying, and obviously. Again, the that's intention. part of gun ownership. I well, think. it is, it is, and of course, you know, it reminds me of the old saying, "Road to hell paved with good intentions." Here, because all of us were like, "How the hell did Stephen Paddock get all of those weapons up there?" All of us are looking at Nicholas Cruz's YouTube videos, being like, "What the hell is going on?" Um, the the Supreme Gentleman, what's the name of that ultimate Elliot Rogers? Elliot Rogers. We see that, and we're like, "How the hell did that guy get a gun?" We see it time and time and time again. But when dealing with a constitutional right, we do have to, it just is what it is. We do have to be very careful that we don't end up disarming people and then leaving, uh, you know, perhaps leaving them vulnerable uh, for violence to be done against them. But I do think the vast majority, if handled right, will have a good outcome in general, specifically when it comes to abusive relationships and, you uh, it's tough because also what what about dementia? What about Alzheimer's, right? Maybe there's a really elderly person and they have a firearm. Does that person have a constitutional right to have that firearm any longer if they can't if they if they're not fully if they don't have the full capacity of their mind with them? I I would say that person doesn't need uh to have a firearm no. any longer. So, you know, it's just it's a slippery it's not slippery. It's just something that we always have to keep a firm grip on. Because we don't want our government and we don't want our militarized police just able to go down, bang down doors for another reason. We, I mean, they can already do it. These search warrants are printed out, uh, you know, like a goddamn a high school printer, you know, uh, printing out um, whatever, the, the, the class lecture series or whatever it might be. But um, it's just important that we remember that this could be mistreated. Yeah, I mean, this is a terrible situation for both parties to be in. For yeah. cops, it's terrible. It's dangerous. And I, as a citizen, I don't want them to be able to just, like, raid a house. Right. And also for the person who owns a gun, it, getting harassed for owning a, a possession that you're legally entitled to own is not cool. I think more fundamentally, if we had good gun control laws this right. wouldn't be an issue absolutely this that's would a not good be point. an issue if you were like if if yeah if you if you the nipped supreme, it at the butt yeah if the supreme gentleman couldn't own a gun in the first absolutely. place absolutely uh it's it's such a simple thing that we've now turned into a complicated uh, it's like now we're all of a sudden Ugh. we're strangling the ball the american eagle it's like well we could have stopped this at the beginning you by, know even by, ronald reagan for all the republicans like the 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 gun lobby has gone so far to the right our gun laws have gone so far to the right we got to get things back uh, in a rational way. And that's, and that is, again, why overall I, I support the red flag laws. But we just have to remember, I don't have a lot of faith in law enforcement. Yeah. And I don't have a lot of faith necessarily that everyone is going to be acting in the best interest of, of people's rights. However, I also understand um, abusive relationships, threats. There are a lot of assholes out there. That should not have guns, and they should well, be taken away from. With them. this, we're treating something like it's a cosmetic fix when it actually is under the skin. Right, and when I say assholes, I'm not like, oh, you're a jerk. It's like you have a legal record of abuse. Yes. You have you you are on the record of being abusive. But anyway, so I just wanted to talk a little bit about the red flag laws, the pros, the cons just to kind of uh, get that conversation going. And, of course, you can always uh, find me on Twitter, at Ben Kissel, if you want to let me know what you think about that. All right, just just lastly, we'll wrap it up here. I, I talk too much, Travis. Yeah, you do. I know, I know. It's a job. 
I love to do it. Okay, so this this uh, drug maker, it's called Wreck-It Benkisser Group. They, Wreck-It Ralph Benkissel Group? I don't freaking know what the hell. It's a jackassy group or whatever it is. It's a drug manufacturer. They're going to pay the U.S. government $1.4 billion to settle allegations that its marketing downplayed the addiction risks of its drugs, the largest settlement yet related to the opioid epidemic. The Department of DOJ... Uh, the Department of Justice, of course, the DOJ, said the British company illegally marketed suboxone, 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 suboxone. I don't know. Suboxone? Yeah. Why is there always an X in these things? <laughs> it's the only time an X is used in the entire English alphabet is for prescription drugs. Why? Oh, you're forgetting xylophone, which is uh, <sighs> just as addictive. Have That's a played, silent X. Have you played it as xylophone before? That's a silent X. Does that count? Silent X, silent killer. I know what's going on. Carbon monoxide. Suboxone. Suboxone. Suboxone, whatever. Uh, uh, They used to market it as less addictive and safer than other drugs with the same active ingredient that is intended to treat opioid withdrawal. Uh, This is according to Jody Hunt. She's the assistant uh, attorney general. She said, opioid withdrawal is difficult, painful, and sometimes dangerous. People struggling to overcome addiction face challenges that can often seem insurmountable. Drug manufacturers marketing products to help opioid uh, addicts are expected to do so honestly and responsibly. So there you go. Uh, Wreck-It Benkisser Group. Uh, Of course, they denied all wrongdoing, but uh, there's $1.3 billion. Uh, statements that say otherwise. Uh, This is a statement from them. They say, RB has acted lawfully at all times and expressly denies all allegations that it engaged in any wrongful conduct. After careful consideration, the board of RB determined that the agreement is in the best interest of the company and its shareholders, which, if you want a sentence as to explain what's wrong with our health care in this country and uh, in many cases globally, but mostly in this country, the fact that they have to appease shareholders mm-hmm. should strike you as a massive, massive issue. Um, all right. So I think that's basically it. Other than that, Aubrey O'Day, she's a uh, she's a reality show star. She wants Donald Trump Jr. to, to dump Kim Guilfoyle because she calls him uh, her soulmate. So that's mm-hmm. kind of a fun story. And then uh, Donald Trump has the weakest, the most see-through skin of all time, the jellyfish that is. Uh, he fired this dude, Kim Derrick, because he made fun of him. And honestly, if every U.S. ambassador was fired for making fun of the administration or any administration, we would have no more ambassadors. So that's just Donald Trump for you. Again, demanding blind allegiance, even from someone he did not hire, that is literally works for the U.K. government. So there you go. Um, All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening to this week's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat. Keep on supporting the show, please. You can go to iTunes, rate and review if you'd like to. Um, Find me on Twitter at Ben Kissel, Instagram at Ben Kissel One. Travis Morningstar is ghost garbage. Oh, yeah, that's me. On Twitter and uh, Travis Morningstar on Instagram. Uh, Ghost garbage again. Ghost garbage again. There you go. I technically got it right. Um, All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Travis, thank you for being here. Hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, 
and Judy Woodruff come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. The new Willy Wonka Golden Ticket Games from the Virginia Lottery are here. The Scratcher gives you the chance to win up to $100,000. The online game gives you the chance to win up to $1 million. For more information, visit VALottery.com.